We are back with Buckeye Talk, and it's just us, unless you count Mickey Marotti, who you might be able to hear in the background. Doug Maurice, Bill Landis, Tim Bielek, sitting in Jesse Owens Stadium behind the Woody Hayes Athletic Center, an outside, oh natural, Buckeye Talk. Is this the new thing? This is two podcasts, or no, two of the last three podcasts have been recorded outside. Yeah, last week we did outside, and... I don't know how this is going to work in, you know, later in this month when the temperatures start to plummet. Suck it up, Bielik. Also, global We're going to be doing so. it in scarves. Yeah. <laughs> scarves. Scarves. I said scarves. scarves. Scarves is when you eat something quickly. Yes. yes. Um, I had a friend who always wanted to do either a story or, like, a movie about a competitive eater. Ooh. And it would be called Scarf Ace. Wow. So all he had to do was like come up with the content because I just thought that was an incredible title, that, Scarf Ace. I'm stealing that. Couldn't you just make that the true story of uh, the Kobayashi guy, the Japanese guy who ate all yeah, the hot yeah, dogs? Yeah yeah yeah, 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 yeah. Just based on that. Anyway, say hello to my little hot dog or whatever the guy says. <laughs> all right. So Doug Lamery, Bill Landis, Tim Like we're doing Buckeye Talk. Last time we did this, it was our hundredth episode with Marty Smith, and this isn't going to be as good as that one. I got to tell you, rave reviews. People cried. People cried. And not just because we're so boring and stupid, <laughs> which is normally why people cry. We're going to talk about the playoff. We are recording this on Tuesday. Four weeks from now, the first college football playoff rankings will come out. We're also going to talk about burgers and a bunch of other stuff. We have some great questions again. The questions are really good from you guys. But I wanted to get away from the field a little bit because I feel like we're, we're pretty established on where things stand at the moment. And now that we have the post-game Buckeye Talk pods that we know you guys listen to that really dig down on the game, we get really football-y on those. So we need to be a little more big picture on these. So we want to talk about Ohio State's positioning in the playoff, and here to me is the discussion. Will they make it if they win out? Because if they don't win out, they won't make it. Right. So, So that's the question. So, I mean, if you think, like, the idea of do you think they can beat Penn State is separate from the playoff discussion because the playoff discussion is predicated on the idea that they beat Penn State. Otherwise, they're not going. They've lost their room for error. So here's my broad, broad, broad question as we start this. Will Ohio State make the playoff if the Buckeyes don't lose again? Um, I don't know. <laughs> I'm, I, I'd be more definitive. Yes. If they don't, if they make it, if they win out, because right now you have Penn State. They, no, they are winning out. That's the beginning of the discussion. Yeah. No ifs. Start from there. They They've win. won out. Are they in? Yes. When you consider three of the teams that are on the schedule, Penn State and Michigan, the regular season, Wisconsin presumably in the Big Ten championship game, those are teams that are going to be at the top 15. Only Clemson's going to match that from a resume status. Even though Oklahoma will have beaten Ohio State, I still have questions about the depth of the Big 12, especially with Oklahoma State taking a bit of a hit. Um, That kind of resume, you can ignore one loss when you have that resume. That's exactly what happened last year. Ohio State had the loss, but they had the resume to get in. That happens again if they win out. I have questions about the depth of the Big Ten. Like, I don't know. All things being equal, the ACC champ is probably in, the SEC champ is in, um, the Big 12 champ is in, especially if it's Oklahoma and its comparison is Ohio State. Ohio State wins out. When Ohio State wins out, we'll have beaten Penn State and Michigan and, and won the Big Ten title game. I don't know. I think the Big Ten is flawed at the moment. Like, 
there's not a complete team in the conference. And there aren't many complete teams in college football. There's probably maybe two, Alabama and Clemson. And Clemson's kind of up for debate at the moment. But uh, Penn State has a really good offense and I think a questionable defense. Michigan like can't score but has a really good defense. Ohio State is killing terrible teams, but we don't know whether or not Ohio State can score against good defenses. Um, last year, I would have felt really good and did feel really good about winning your in, winning your in, winning your in if Ohio was, as it pertained to Ohio State. Now, the difference was they were undefeated. Obviously, if they won and went undefeated, they were in. Um, but even in 2014, it got to a point where you thought if they win, they're, they're likely in. I think you, they were building towards something after they lost Virginia Tech. Um, I think that what happened last year with Ohio State, and like precedent's not supposed to be set in the playoff, but we're talking about human beings with memories. Um, I think what happened last year might be to the Big Ten's detriment as a whole, not just to Ohio State's. Let me keep it real on this, all right? On Buckeye Talk, we don't get personal. We talk food. Food is personal. That got personal with Tim. But we have pizza stuff coming for you people. Yeah. We have exciting pizza news. We had a pizza moment on this beat. It was really beautiful. If you care about our pizza talk, don't go anywhere. But in football talk, we don't get personal, okay? We just talk about the team. We try to give you guys what you want. So I say this with the utmost respect, Landis. I'm wrong. I disagree with everything you just said. That's fine. That makes it more interesting. The Big Ten has four teams in the top ten right now in the AP poll. Sure. That's the most of any conference. Mm -hmm. Who is the second best team in the ACC? And that's a hard thing. I I can ask you that, like, sort of off the top of your head, because you're an AP poll voter. Miami. Okay. Miami's not as good as Penn State. Miami's not as good as Wisconsin. I think think Miami might be as good as Wisconsin. I think Michigan is probably going to stumble at some point. They've got some quarterback stuff going on. Yeah, they have a very faulty offense. I think I, I agree with the analysis of of Michigan as a one sided team with a great defense and a lot of questions. I think the, an Ohio State resume by the end of the year would stack up with almost anybody, and and it's not going to be about Indiana and Rutgers and. Those easy games, the games we've seen so far, I think they're going to look at, the committee would look at, a win over Penn State, which I think if Ohio State beats Penn State, and again, that's what we're assuming, I don't think Penn State's going to lose another game. No. Now, so, I mean, we're just yeah, talking no, about no. where we think yeah, yeah, teams yeah, yeah. stand at the moment, yeah. right? I mean, anything could happen. Alabama could lose twice. I don't know. But as we sit here now, Penn State is flawed. I think Penn State's good. I think Wisconsin is flawed. I think Wisconsin's good. And again... The other thing we're assuming here is they have to win out, and this is different than last year, that they got in the playoff without playing in the Big Ten Championship. Obviously, they're not getting in the playoff without playing in the Big Ten Championship. Because if they win out, they're undefeated in the Big Ten. They're the champion. They're going to the championship. They have to win that. So you get that other bonus win, and unless Wisconsin somehow collapses, that's going to be a top-ten team in that game. So I think when you start to really break things down, even here's like the only scenario where they don't get in is Clemson, Alabama, Oklahoma, and Washington are all undefeated. And I almost feel like even in that case, they might have a case against Washington potentially because everything you're saying about precedent and how Ohio Ohio State didn't look good in the playoff last year, that might hurt the Big Ten. Washington sucked in the playoff too. He did. So – I think that's the only scenario where there was even a discussion of them not getting in, and that's not going to happen. Like, it's one of those things, we do this all the time, and I like talking about the playoff. Like, I, if this turns you off because anything can happen, and this is what I always shout at people, 
If you're an anything can happen, wait till the end of the year person, then close your eyes and open them on December 3rd and see who's in the playoff. Otherwise, we're going to talk about it because it's sports and it's fun. And there's a lot of other things in the world that aren't very fun right now. So we're going to have fun talking about the playoff. But I'm here to tell you, I think they are a lock if they win out. And here's here's something else to point out when it comes to Penn State. Correct me if I'm wrong, the first playoff rankings come out after that Penn State game. Because I believe that's Halloween night is yeah. when the playoffs come out. Yes. Say yeah. not Ohio State wins, but some, say they win convincingly. Could they just suddenly leapfrog from 10, all, 10 or 9 all the way up to number 4 just based on an emphatic victory? Or is that kind of irrelevant just to reestablish? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think, I think what you do... Yeah, because they're, they're, they're analyzing the entire picture to that point, but certainly what you do that weekend would be first and foremost in their memory. So if Ohio, if Ohio State is coming off an emphatic win against Penn State two or three nights before the, uh, the playoff rankings come out, then, yeah, that's enough to give them a boost that wouldn't have, yeah, that wouldn't have happened otherwise. And, sure. and I'm not going to say that's going to happen. We're going to talk about this in the next few weeks. Just know the ingredients are there, and it can always be the inverse of what happened last year. Ohio State played a massive game on the road at Wisconsin, and they faced a Penn State team that had two weeks to prepare, if I'm correct, mm-hmm. for that game. And then Ohio State just fell apart at the end. Penn State's facing the same thing. They, they host Michigan when Ohio State has a bye. Penn State has to go to Columbus. That game's tight against Penn State. The tighter that game is, the longer that goes, and it's more hard-fought. Urban Meyer is probably hoping that game goes into overtime or double overtime. The and Michigan game, you mean? The Penn yeah, State-Michigan Yeah, Penn State-Michigan. Hope it goes yeah. as long as it goes, but that Penn State wins so that Ohio State is fresh with two weeks to prepare and that Penn State is exhausted coming into Columbus. That's a really good point. I hadn't thought of it to that degree yet, but we were on alert, I think, all last year for the whole that whole bye week thing. Yeah. it was, And it is the inverse. It's the exact inverse this it's year. It's the inverse, and also Ohio State played an overtime game the week before it lost to Penn State. And they had to come back in that game after playing a terrible first half at Wisconsin. Those are, I think, the ingredients people look at when – I'm not excusing the Penn State loss last year by any stretch, but there were factors in there that certainly played into it, in my opinion. And even then, they had there was a blocked field goal at the end that swayed the game. Yeah. All right, let me throw a wrinkle into the thing that I just yelled at Landis about. I think it's possible. This is not me. I'm not going to – we're not saying anything that a million other people aren't saying. You're just listening to us. Thank you, by the way. (laughs) I think Georgia and Alabama could both get to the SEC championship game undefeated. Yeah. Yeah. And we have not yet had a – conference get two teams into the playoff. I think the Big Ten should have gotten two teams in last year. I think Penn State should have gone. Period. I think Penn State should have been in the playoff. Then I think the discussion should have been between Ohio State and Washington, and I would have been completely fine with Ohio State winning that debate, but neither Washington nor Ohio State did anything in those playoff games to show that they deserved to be there. Um, I think that would be a very interesting scenario because if Georgia and Alabama both get to the SEC championship game undefeated, that game is going to be 1-4 at the worst, maybe 1-3, yeah, maybe 1-2. And then depending how that game goes, especially if Bama would lose, Bama who is Bama, yeah. if Georgia beats Bama 28-26, on a last-second touchdown, 
people are going to watch that game and say Alabama's one of the four best teams. I don't know what to tell you. They're, they didn't win their conference, but they're one of the four best teams, no doubt about it. That would then create a problem as you're trying to squeeze the ACC, the Big 12, the Pac-12, and the Big 10 into two spots instead of three. So the thing I just yelled about and made Landis feel bad inside, I I feel I'm changing. Fine. I feel fine. I don't mean to be. I don't mean to be a jerk about it. No, no, no. I don't. I, I think it, I. I do not feel offended at all. I'm, I'm yell at just, me back. I'm just yell as happy. Back. No, oh, I can't yell at you because I agree with you. Um, I'm looking at Georgia's schedule. They play Florida still, and they play at Auburn. At Florida and at Auburn. Those are two toughest games. Georgia, Florida play in Jacksonville every yeah, year? Yeah, I believe that's yeah. a neutral site. So. Okay, so what, against Florida and Jacksonville, and then at Auburn, and then they have, and then they can win the rest the of the East games. The East is bad, but the except East, for Georgia. Yeah. The East is very bad except for Georgia, because even Florida, Florida is ranked, and Florida has been pulling wins out of its butt. Florida stinks. Well, Florida got waxed by Michigan. I know they got guys yeah. got back since then. Auburn is number 12 in the country at the moment, so they're Auburn, not terrible. Auburn is legit, and I think Auburn is a team that can it's really a throw, that that can throw a wrench into the entire SEC deal, because they got they play, like I said, they play Georgia, and obviously they play Alabama at the end of the year. They're building a little bit, it feels like. Their defense is always good, um, and they have a good quarterback, and Jared Stidham, the Baylor transfer, their problem earlier in the year was they couldn't block for him. Um, and that seems to be changing a little bit. They just uh, they just smoke Mississippi State, yeah. Who I think is a little bit was a little bit of a fraud too, because everyone everyone got really excited about Mississippi State because they beat LSU, and then LSU lost to Troy, and then Mississippi State lost two weeks in a row and got killed. Um, but I think Auburn's for real. Uh, point of information: There are 15 teams in the top 25 still undefeated. I don't know if there's a couple outside the top 25 also undefeated. There might be, but obviously. Teams start to winnow themselves down the deeper we get into conference play. You guys know that. Um, certainly Washington could get through the Pac-12, and certainly Oklahoma could get through the Big 12. Given, you know, the Oklahoma State offense is a, is a great offense, but they have a, have a surprising loss already. Maybe TCU's for real. They're the team that beat Oklahoma State. Yeah. They've, they have yeah. a great coach. They've been a real program. They've been there in the playoff discussion before. Maybe they're something. But obviously there are going to be other teams – that are going to take surprising losses. It happens every year. It just so happens that Ohio State, Ohio State sort of got, a, got its loss out of the way and lost its margin for error. And it's going to be interesting. I think that Ohio State-Penn State game, this is going to be confusing because I'm going to be using different teams to represent other different teams while still talking about the same teams. I'm already confused. I feel like we need like a flow chart. We'll put a flowchart with the post. You can go to cleveland.com slash podcast and find this post connected to this podcast. Last year, at this point of the season, midway point of the season even, we were talking about the idea of Ohio State and Michigan both being undefeated mm-hmm. and playing each other in the last game of the year of the, of the regular season and potentially being in a situation where they could both make the playoff if they both got to that game undefeated. The same kind of thing we're saying with Alabama – and um, Georgia right now. Michigan then lost to Iowa. And that created a scenario where Ohio State maybe could have lost to Michigan and in certain circumstances, then they're both one loss. Maybe they somehow both get in. I think that's where Ohio State and Penn State are now. Ohio State is in the place of Michigan a year ago. Penn State is in the place of Ohio State a year ago. That if Ohio State beats beats Penn State, Ohio State's on a great path to get in. I think Penn State could still get in. But Ohio State has lost its margin for error. Clearly, if Penn State beats Ohio State, Ohio State's not getting in. But but depending how that game would go, 
I do think as much as it got screwy with Ohio State and Penn State and that stuff last year, um, I don't know that it hurt the idea of the Big Ten getting into teams. I'm not sure that it hurt the reputation of the Big Ten as a whole. Uh, I think they picked they probably they picked the wrong Big Ten team last year. Yeah. And then Penn State didn't win its bowl game either. They played a shootout with USC where a lot of crazy stuff happened, and clearly Penn State looked like a one-sided team in that game. But also people loved USC at the end of last season. I think some people would have told you if they were absolutely just picking four best teams and not going on resume at all, USC might have been one of the four best teams when the regular season ended. I still think not only would Ohio State winning out be in great shape to get in the playoff, I think there are things that could absolutely happen that the Big Ten could get to. How, how much does the schedule matter? Because Obviously, it's the totality of the resume, and we understand that. And in this case, we'll be talking about a one-loss Penn State team that has a win over Michigan the week before but lose to Ohio State. Um, Penn State's schedule after Ohio State is Michigan State, Rutgers, Nebraska, and Maryland. Obviously, they can win all four of those games and do so handily. But how you're playing or how you're perceived to be playing matters, I think, especially when it comes down to do we want to put a second team from this conference in? Have they been dominant enough even without the championship to put them in that game? Um, And Ohio State was in that position last year, and the reason they got in is because they beat a really good Michigan team at the end of the year. Penn State does not have a really good anybody on its schedule after it would lose to Ohio State. And they had Wisconsin on a crossover that was a really good team, and they had a non-conference win over Oklahoma that was a really good team. Penn State does not have that equivalent non-conference game, and they do not have a West game the equivalent of the Wisconsin game a year ago for Ohio State. Yeah, which I guess is my point of saying that I, I don't think it's impossible that Penn State could still get in as one loss, I don't think in the end Penn State has the schedule that would allow them to get there. I think that makes sense. they got to hope that if Penn, if the, Penn State's got to hope that if they lose Ohio State, they better hope nobody's undefeated. That's their only way to get in is if everybody loses a game, which this I is just, also, yeah, that's Yeah, which is I don't think it's happening because I don't think Clemson's losing a game. In if the you if you ask me to bet right now, is, there, is what's likely to happen? There's no undefeated teams or one undefeated team. Um, I'm taking no one. I think Clemson can lose. I think Clemson is, like I said earlier, is flawed. Clemson's, like, Clemson plays Wake Forest this week, and I, I, it would be a shock if Wake Forest beat Clemson, but not really. Like, Pitt beat Clemson last year. Weird stuff happens. Teams lose weird games. Wake Forest is a good defense. Um, I think Clemson's going to lose. I don't know if Alabama's going to lose. I don't think the SEC champ will have a loss. Yeah, I think either yeah. Alabama or Georgia will be an undefeated champ. Yeah. And I also don't. Th- I also think that if the SEC champ doesn't have a loss, and you're assuming two teams getting in undefeated, here's the question I'll pose to you. What about Alabama's resume? I mean, yeah, they're beating teams, but their non big non conference win is Florida State, who's terrible right now. They lost. The yeah, but Florida. Francis. Yeah, but they played. They played a Florida State team with a full deck, and then Francois got hurt with six minutes left. Um, I agree. Like Alabama, and it's the thing Doug wrote about last year. Like Alabama's secret sauce is always scheduling non-conference teams that, on paper, look good, and in the end, aren't that good. But they still get credit for a big win anyway. Um, I don't think that that means as much this year. Yeah, but if you kick everyone's ass, it doesn't matter either. Like they beat Vanderbilt fifty-nine to nothing, and then followed it up by destroying Ole Miss, and if they just keep killing everyone. Like I don't think well, it matters. Also, neither of those teams are that good. They, no, no, but I'm not. Uh, dominance matters. It, like it your is, conference is your conference, and dominance matters. It is weird. I think most people would tell... Who's the best conference? Bill, I'll ask you first. Mm. What is the best conference in college football right now? Again, you do the poll. You are our AP poll voter. So you have to page through the top 25, 30, 35 teams in the country each week and try to figure this out a little bit. 
is that it's probably the Big Ten, and I think Wisconsin is probably what puts it over the top. It's not the ACC. It's not the Pac-12. It's not the Big 12. And if you're comparing the top three, so it's like compare Alabama, Georgia, um, and Auburn with Ohio State, Michigan, and Penn State. I think that's close, but then you throw Wisconsin in the mix, and I think Wisconsin is the fourth best team in the Big Ten. Who's the fourth best team in the SEC? That's what I'm trying to figure out. It'd I don't probably know. Probably be like Florida or somebody Florida, like that. Florida, yeah, probably Florida. I mean, Florida and I don't, like, has quarterback issues, but their defense is still. If Florida and Wisconsin were playing. I'd pick Wisconsin. Michigan already beat Florida. Michigan beat Florida, yeah. And so Florida, it's probably the Big Ten. I think. I think if it depends on what you mean by best, like top heavy Big Ten depth. I might say ACC. Because I don't yeah. know. I just said, who's the fourth best team in the SEC? Who's the fifth best team in the Big Ten? Yeah. And here's my... here's I don't know. Here's what I'll say about that. When we did our Big Ten Power Rankings, you guys send your poll in. It took me 20 minutes, legitimately, to pick a fifth best yeah, team. Yeah, it's like you bang through the first four in It's 30 the first four, <laughs> and then you could pull six teams out of a hat, and I can make a case for why they're number five. Who was number five in our Power Rankings? I, be- I don't even remember. I want to say it was Maryland. Was it Michigan State? I want to say it was honestly Maryland. Let me. I think I had Michigan State fifth. It's, it's it is really hard because, I mean, it's not. Is it? I mean, Iowa just lost to Michigan State. It's not Iowa. No, it's, it's not. not Iowa. It's not Nebraska who we lost to Northern Maryland. Illinois. It's not. Maybe last week we would have said maybe Minnesota, but it's not Minnesota. Yeah, Minnesota and this week it's Maryland. Just lost to Maryland. Yeah. If if anything else. The way I would construct a power ranks, you have one, two, three, four, and you skip right to seven. You leave five and six <laughs> blank. That's how much of a golf. I mean, here we are. We just we ourselves, the three of us, voted Maryland as the fifth best team in this conference, and I think Ohio State's gonna beat Maryland by fifty. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. so there's your depth for the best <laughs> conference in college football. And there's nobody to challenge Wisconsin in the West, especially you know what happened with Northwestern. I think. If Nebraska can win at home this Saturday against Wisconsin, then who knows what happens in the West. Nebraska stinks. I think it's possible that Northwestern is actually the fifth best team in the Big Ten. But they got waxed by Duke. They played with Wisconsin. And they had a halftime lead and then, yeah. and, then, and then fell apart against and, Wisconsin. And they held Wisconsin only about 100-some rushing yards in a game, which when you consider that's Wisconsin, yeah. that's a remarkable achievement in itself to do I that. mean, their record at the moment and the just – you have to go by what's happened so far. I would not be surprised if Northwestern's nine and three at the end of the year yeah. and is in the top twenty-five and is clearly the fifth best team. But at the moment, it's they're not there. Yeah. Okay. Uh, how how long have we gone so far? Twenty-two minutes. Right. Twenty-three minutes. We're gonna get let's let's start mixing in uh, some questions. We're gonna mix in football and food together. But I want to let's go a football question first. At Buckeye Boggs, Eric Boggs. Not Wade. Not Wade. Do you know who Wade Boggs is? Yeah, he drank, your time. he drank like 9 million beers on a cross-country flight. And didn't he have like his 3,000th hit against the Indians, I believe, was a home run. Yeah, really? I know who Wade Boggs is, man. Come on. But he would be played before you were alive. No, he was playing when I was a kid, and I used to collect baseball cards like a madman. I had a bunch of Wade Boggs cards. Do you want to buy my baseball cards? No. Okay. <laughs> There's a baseball card shop in my town. And I cannot believe it's in business. Yeah, do people still do that? I see them for sale sometimes in Target, and I wonder if people ever buy them. The whole thing of baseball cards, right? We, I saved my baseball cards because my dad's generation threw away their baseball cards, yeah. and then everyone did the same thing. Yeah, I cut my head. Yeah, well, I've lost, I've lost most of mine, um, but I had all my dad's. Yeah, I had a bunch of cards from like the seventies and the eighties, and I kept them all because I thought they'd be my. That's my nest egg. I thought that I retire on those things. Yeah. It's like my dad 
was putting Ted Williams and Mickey Mantle cards in his bicycle spokes to make yeah. a cool sound. <laughs> and then I said, I am going to keep this Warren Cromarty card in pristine condition so that I can go to college. And now there are 90 boxes of Warren Cromartys in my basement, and I, went, I never even allowed myself to look at them. Yeah. I don't know. One time I traded America, a, man. One time I traded a uh, replica Mickey Mantle car that I had duplicates of for a turkey hoagie. Best deal I ever made. Wow, <laughs> you have the memories of that turkey hoagie. Yeah, and it was delicious. Base, I was in sixth base. grade. I one time, uh, my friend. I had a friend who was kind of like, sort of like a little mini bookie in college, and I was betting with him, and he, I won money. And his bookie that was, like, above him got arrested. <laughs> and my friend was like, I can't pay you. This is one of my good, good friends. He was at my wedding. He was like, I can't pay you. And I was like, you're paying me. <laughs> so we went to the baseball card shop in our town. And I made him sell, like, a set of baseball cards so he could pay me. <laughs> And I also, it was like the guy was trying to rip us off on the deal. So we got like a certain amount of money and I made him throw in an Oral Hershiser big head caricature t-shirt. Nice. As part of the deal, which I wore for literally 20 years. Do you still have the shirt? I think I might still have the shirt. But again, I felt bad. Meanwhile, my friend who had a hundred times more baseball cards than me still has them all. That's the only money he ever made off baseball cards. And it was because I was a terrible friend and said, I don't care. I'm getting my $80. While we're going on this tangent, did you ever look up the value of your cards? You know, they have those books that tell you how much cards are worth. Yeah. Like right now. No, no. Like no, back do, in the do you day? remember like the, what the most valuable card you had was? Yeah. I had like a, how much I think worth. a Ricky Henderson rookie card that might have been worth like a hundred bucks. Oh, I had a Mark McGuire card that was printed. Was a was a ninety eight was the year you know all the home runs on was yeah. Right? Um, someone printed a car a McGuire card in a ninety eight that was like I don't even know how to explain it. It was like it looked like a normal car, but then you could fold it. It was almost like origami. You could fold it, and then when you folded it out, it was a different Mark McGuire card. Ooh, and it like you could do that three times, and it was essentially three Mark McGuire cards in one. And I had that. It was worth like 200 bucks, and then I accidentally ripped it. You accidentally ripped it? Yeah. I think I might actually still have it, but it's ripped. I covered the Mark McGuire home run chase. I'm so old. You were collecting cards for it. I was writing stories about it. I was 10. I was covering, that was my first year covering baseball. I was covering the Phillies in 98, and the Sosa McGuire home run chase was going on. And we had decided that I was going to go pick it up at some point um, because the Phillies were out of it. And... I was flying to Milwaukee for a series, and the pace picked up more than we thought it would. And so I went to, I I was going to fly to Chicago and drive to Milwaukee, and instead I flew to Chicago and drove to St. Louis and picked up the Cardinals early. And then I had to get my rental car back to Chicago because I originally was going to fly from Chicago to St. Louis and because I, I was going to take my rental car to Milwaukee. Yeah. So I covered these couple games, and then I needed to get back to St. Louis, but I had to drive my car back to Chicago. So I drove my car through the night back to Chicago. I was hallucinating. I was <laughs> sticking my head out the window and singing songs to myself. I don't remember, remember the last hour of the drive. I don't know how I got to the airport. I got there. I turned the car back in. I went to my gate at the airport 
took a 45-minute nap in a chair, got on a plane and flew back to St. Louis and went back to my hotel room that I had been out of for like seven hours. That's unbelievable. And that's how I covered the home run chase. Uh, anyway, what was Wade Boggs' question? I don't know. Oh, what's this podcast about? <laughs> Baseball cards and burgers. I would love to hear how you guys rank the Ohio State running backs at this point in the season. Tim, rank them. Dobbins, Weber, McCall. Even though McCall's technically an H-back, I'm willing to put him number three. Ahead of Antonio Williams. Yes. Yeah. I buy that. Uh, yeah, I guess I would do the same. I, don't, I guess there's an argument to be made for Williams to be third. Certainly Dobbins one, Weber two. And I would say Williams third just because he's done more in more meaningful moments. Granted, like five more meaningful snaps than Demario McCall has. I think it's... I think it's mostly just because Williams has no health concerns right now compared to McCall. Oh, well, he's hurt at the moment. I mean, if you were to ask me if they were both healthy, what I want, I would certainly take McCall. So I guess I'll put McCall third and then Williams fourth. Let me ask this. Is there any hesitation on Dobbins and Weber? No. Is it 100% Dobbins is number one? 150%. Actually, you know what? Can we think about it now? I don't know. He looked awesome against Indiana, and he hasn't had a ton of carries. I feel like he's cooled off a little bit. Like he, he, I thought he was like Walter Payton against Indiana. Yes. And then and he has not been quite that since then. I think he's like been had some ankle, ankle tackles, shoelace tackles, um, has stumbled a few times and fallen down, I think, when he could have busted a big run. Um, he's more dynamic than Weber. I think Weber might be a little more steady and maybe a touch more reliable at the moment than, than J.K. Dobbins is. Well, I wonder how much of, you know, you mentioned the ankle tackles of Dobbins, how much that be resolved if he gains 10 pounds in the next offseason, and, you know, he shows up 5'8", uh, about 215 next season. I don't know. Is weight and ankle? I don't know. I, think he's I, about, I don't know. He's about 200-something. But what, how does weight play into getting tripped up, I guess, is what I'm saying. Weber got tripped up last year and lost weight because the reason he was getting tripped up is because he was getting caught from behind. Yeah. I... I'm very, I'm not very conflicted. I think it's an interesting question. And we did it as much as anybody. The J.K. Dobbins train got rolling quick. Yeah. Yes. When you get 29 carries as a true freshman, people are going to go crazy. That was a crazy night, if you think about it. Part of the reason he got 29 carries is because Indiana threw the ball a million times and there were a lot of plays in that game. Mike Weber didn't play at all. He didn't run for 400 yards. Yeah. He ran for 181, which is really good. But he didn't average nine yards a carry or anything. Like, I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not trying to downplay the game. But we haven't seen him close to that since then. And there's a million reasons for that. They haven't had as many plays. They've been trying to work on the passing game. The, the other thing about that game is if you really think about it, early in the Indiana game, there was not a lot there in the run game. And I felt like there were some plays early on where J.K. Dobbins hit a wall at the line. Yeah. got two yards, two yards, three yards. Then he popped some really big ones. I am not 100% sure anymore that if it's first and 10 and you're running the ball and you would, if you knew that the hole wasn't really going to be there and that somebody was going to get a hit on the back one yard past the line of scrimmage, and that you were, gonna, you were trying to get four or five yards on that play. You were trying to get five instead of two. If you knew that was going to happen, I'm not sure you wouldn't give it to Weber. Yeah. And that's a ridiculous yeah. scenario to put up if you knew that was going to happen. And I also know people, I think someone has pointed out to me, 
that Dobbins has that little slither through the whole move that Ezekiel Elliott had where you turn sideways. I pointed that out. You pointed it out to me? Yeah. I knew it was some rando. <laughs> <laughs> and that that is a really quite an exquisite move to sh- basically shrink yourself down and get through a hole that's not there. So I'm not taking anything away from J.K. Dobbins. Also, we said all offseason, we never thought Mike Weber was great. We've never thought he was great. We've always thought he was good. We never thought, it's not fair to compare him to Ezekiel Elliott. He was never Ezekiel Elliott. I never thought he was Carlos Hyde. I thought he was what he was. But I also think it's possible J.K. Dobbins isn't quite at the moment what we thought he was based off 181 yards against Indiana. By that, Dobbins is averaging 7.6 yards per carry. Weber is averaging 5.1 yards per carry. He's only averaging 7.6 yards per carry. Is that a guy that you can really rely on? I'll take my chances. I retract my point. (laughs) I don't know. Okay, so let's, let's stay on this a little bit. We have some really good questions. Peak underscore MJ Peak really was bringing it this week. About Mike Weber getting the carries against Rutgers, was Weber getting all the carries for confidence purposes? Why do you think that Dobbins had six carries against Rutgers? Six. Yeah. Why Why was that that ratio? We know Weber had some goal line carries, but why did that work out that way? And we talked about this a little bit, I think. But what do we think in the end is the reason? I don't know. Weber had ten. It's not like there was some huge dis- dis- discrepancy between the two. Demario McCall, I think, actually had the most. Had eleven. I had think. eleven. Um, no, I think what I mean. Urban Meyer said like three weeks ago that when Mike Weber's healthy, he's going to get rewarded. I guess for like not being a brat about being hurt and then quasi losing his starting job. So they put him in on the goal line and let him run three touchdowns in. And if they weren't doing that, like I don't, I don't think he's actually the goal line back. I think they're just going to start a drive with a guy and then keep that guy in there and then the other guy gets the next drive. But I think they were putting him in there to score, which was why he had more carries than Dobbins. I think 10-6 to six is not – I don't know. I didn't really think anything about that. And I wonder how much of it also is experimentation. I mean, in the bigger game, I mean, Dobbins got more carries against Oklahoma than Weber did, obviously. Weber wasn't as healthy as he is now. But you also consider – as you said, the last three weeks they've been playing against teams that aren't nearly as good as Ohio State, uh, and they had you know freedom to experiment a little bit. Rutgers is the same thing. Weber is healthy. We're going to get him more. We're going to work to get him more touches, get into a flow. And Billy Price touched on it. You know, with Weber being more healthy, he got to get his feet wet a little bit. Yeah. I wonder how much of that played into the game plan. Is you know, here's a guy who's who has had limited carries. I believe he had seven going in. The goal was just you know get him up to game speed against the team that you know you're going to blow out. They, they accomplished that, and I'm not sure how it's going to work out, you know, you know, even next week against Nebraska, but I feel like they got they did that with a purpose to get him a little rhythm going against game competition. I'm very curious to see when they're all, like, no more working guys in, 100% ready to go what the deal is. Peak had a three-part question about the running backs. They're all good. Will Dobbins, and this makes me want to go like watch film and look this up right now. Will Dobbins ever receive non-read option carries? He took one on his first carry and he took it 40 plus yards. He just never got another one. That's very interesting to me. They do do a lot, obviously, in the zone read. But I also would make sure you mix in some carries where it says, here, J.K. Dobbins, go do this. They do so much zone read I think they have to do something. It's not they didn't do all zone read with Ezekiel Elliott. 
sometimes you knew Zeke's getting the ball. Here's a handoff, right? Yeah, but I, I also don't know. Like, how can you tell what's a? I think in this offense, it's possible for every run to look like a read with the way the JT can kind of manipulate the ball and, and the situation back there. So I don't know. An inside handoff to to J.K. Dobbins may or may not be a read, even if it looks like one. You, you, you get what I'm saying? Yeah, I get yeah. what you're saying. I, so I don't, I don't know. It, it's an interesting. I mean, they're not going to line up. up. They're not going to line up in the eye and hand in the ball. Correct. No. It's an interesting point to bring up. It's it's also a question that I don't know if we'll ever be able to know the true answer to because I don't think in the end you're able to tell when J.T. is actually reading an unblocked end and when he's not. And those cases were definitely the Rutgers game. It seemed like after that Dobbins play, they were crashing in on Dobbins on those zone, re- zone reads. That's why Barrett kept it, and he had he broke he broke out some nice runs. Yeah, he ran the ball a lot. Against I mean, Rutgers. we're talking about a guy in Barrett. We said time and again is excellent at the zone read. It's possible, you know. I'd say more than possible, highly probable. He was just reading that. Hey, they're crashing down on J.K. every single time I show him the ball. I'm just going to keep faking until they do until they change. And I think it's a good sign because. I think ultimately, if you're an Ohio State fan, you want that to be happening. Because last year, I felt like they were not really super concerned at all with Mike Weber keeping the ball, and then JT was not as not as effective yes. as a runner. So if JT's busting big runs because they're so preoccupied with J.K. Dobbins getting the ball, then I think you're getting a little bit back to what they had in 2014. As, as good as JT Barrett is as a runner, you don't want him to be the first option. You don't want him to be the thing that defense is most worried about. He's much more effective when you're keying on the running back. This, again, is another question by Peak. I feel like Peak should just break some film down for us and tell us the answers to this. Tell us about your baseball card collection, Peak. What happened to running unbalanced looks with pulling guards like our championship year? Mm. Here, the 85-yard run to Ice Alabama, that's not a zone read. Right? No. That's a a, 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 And that's a Jeff Hyman block, an Evan Spencer block, but you got—I think a guard pulled on that one. I don't—I don't remember. I know what he's—I know the plays he's talking. I mean, about. those plays, those plays, the pulling—that's. Uh, I mean, if you ran five of those plays with J.K. Dobbins in a game, and you had—we're talking about okay. One of the reasons. I have a theory. One of the reasons we because the guards aren't good enough. Because the guards aren't Pat Elfine and Billy Price. Yeah. yeah. I, the guards are two tackles playing out of position because their guard depth sucks. Can I say something? By the way, I think it's possible, and we'll figure this out at some point to do this right. I don't know if anybody knows how good Billy Price is. He started as a redshirt freshman for a national championship team. He's going to end up starting more games than any player in Ohio State history, and it is hard to recognize how good a guard is. Now he's a center. I think he was as good as a guard can be. Yeah. And I think Elfline and Price together were as good as guards can be. And if you want to go... Write this down. Mental note. But if you want to go back and say, what's the difference? What's the... one? The, the Browns, and I wanted to write a story about this. I talked to Joel Batonio about this for 15 minutes one day. The Browns, currently failing strategy, but the Browns' <laughs> strategy this offseason, they spent more on guards than anybody in the history of the NFL. And given that, and I, if you don't know me, I'm in on the Browns' rebuild and shouting into the cave of despair in Cleveland <laughs> when I get to write about the Browns and telling people not to freak out because a rebuilding team is losing. I mean, duh. But they, these are these, these analytical guys who are doing a lot of things differently. They spent money on guards. 
Joel Petonio is the highest paid guy on the team. Kevin Zeitler's overall contract was the highest contract ever given to a guard. That made me wonder, did they figure something out? Did they figure something out that the key to success secretly is guards? And if they did, then that's why Ohio State won the national championship in 2014. It wasn't because of Ezekiel Elliott. It wasn't because of Cardale Jones. It's because they had two, as it turns out, unbelievable guards. Two first-team All-Americans. And right now they don't. I want to ask, maybe we're, we're, gonna, we're recording this on Tuesday. We get to talk to some assistant coaches, and one of those assistant coaches is Greg Stoudrawa, who I think we've talked to four times in a year and a half he's been here. Um, is this a dumb question to ask? Like, People have an idea of what a prototypical tackle looks like. Is there such thing as being a natural guard? And do they have that currently among their starting five? I am all in on like 50 questions about guards today. Yeah. I'm like, I, have, I can feel my heart pumping. I'm so excited now to write about We've done some series. We did a defensive tackle series. I'm now pondering the idea of a cross-team Cleveland to Columbus guard extravaganza. Kevin Zeitler, Joel Petonio, Michael Jordan, Brandon Bowen, Billy Price, Pat Alfline. Let's talk guards. I love it. Guard talk. Guard talk. I need to take a breath. That was a great question. (laughs) Peak, Peak MJ Peak. By the way, one thing that I noticed last week that we missed out on, no G. Nilly. No G. Nilly in the 100th episode. I feel like I haven't heard from G. Nilly in in like a week and a half. G. Nilly checked in later in the week and said he had listened to the 100th podcast and he liked it. But I wanted to give a shout out to G. Nilly because Chase Richardson's our guy and G. Nilly's our guy. I feel like they're probably the two who've been the most involved on Twitter with us on the podcast the longest. Um, and there's I'll, Sam Faulkner has been really involved lately. Jordan Steele sent three great questions today. Dr. Mant, Dr. Mantis Toboggan sent a question that Landis jumped through the internet. He was so <laughs> excited about. We'll get to that later. Um, so I wanted to say thank you to you guys who really are bringing it with these questions. But I wanted to get to one. This, we're going to do a little d- detour for a second. This guy followed me today for the first time. We love new people. He's the visual ambassador, Viz Ambassador, on Twitter. He said, I was catching up on the podcasts since I took the Rutgers week off, and I never thought I'd cry during a podcast about Ohio State football, but y'all succeeded. Is that like cry because Marty's touching story made you cry, cry because we're so funny you were laughing, or cry because you were mad you're putting yourself through such torture? I'm going to assume anything good that anyone says about the podcast is directly related to Marty Smith. But then Viz... Viz Ambassador asked a question. How has hot chicken takeover never been mentioned on Buckeye Talk? I don't know. I mean... Well, I think I think it's possible that it has. We've definitely had conversations about it away from Buckeye Talk. But and, it, then we went, and then we went one time. Before Tim was on the beat, Doug, Ari, and myself went there. Have you been there yet, Tim? I did go. I actually Thoughts? went... I, uh, it's good. I, am, I will admit, this is a disclaimer, I don't really like spicy foods. I got it, you know, just the... Get the low, the lowest uh, yeah. heat available. Yeah, but what, what amazed me is the the chicken was really delicious. Yes. You know, even even if it was even like what they say the cold setting, it's still outstanding southern fried chicken. You know, it's juicy, it's flavorful, the sides are real good. I really love the macaroni and cheese and how rich it is. It is among the richest macaroni and cheese I've ever had. That's a that's a spot on analysis of, of hot really? chicken takeover. Yeah, and, I agree with everything you said. And the best part, unlimited sweet tea. Yes. Yes. How can you Cherry say on no, top. How can you say no to as much sweet tea as you could possibly drink? Can I have can I make a point? Yeah. 
Where is Hot Chicken Takeover from originally? Like, like the style of food? Is, is, is this particular restaurant not a branch of something from Nashville? I don't... I, I, I don't want to speak. I don't want to be wrong, but I I think that it was established here by someone from Nashville. I think we may have to go and eat there and yeah. pod from there and ask. But that that style of food is certainly but from. Here's Tennessee. where I'm a little bothered because there are a lot of believe it or not, we're not the only college football writers who talk about food. There are a lot of college football writers that and they end up coming to Columbus a lot because there's big games here all the time. Andy Staples from SI.com has made a living out of writing about food, yep. far more than we have. Because, again, as maybe we perhaps have mentioned in the past, we haven't made any money off this podcast yet. <laughs> I'm going to tell you that we were contacted by a waffle establishment. And that deal has not come together yet. And if the owner of the waffle establishment is listening, I'm going to check on where things stand. And the tone in my voice is not at all about our waffle man. I am so appreciative to the waffle man who reached out to us. I was so excited. I want to make this happen so badly. Yeah. I am very frustrated. I don't know anything about the ins and outs, but I'm frustrated on our end as Cleveland.com that it hasn't happened yet. I love you, Waffle Man. I want you, <laughs> Waffle Man. We will make this happen, Waffle Man. And when it happens, we're going to have so many people eating your waffles. I want you to buy a speedboat and take us water skiing with your Buckeye Talk podcast money. We make waffles happen here, okay? So I just want to say that, and I don't even know what I was saying, but here's my point, and Tim is raising his finger because he wants to talk, but I'm on a seven-minute rant. I'll get to you in a second. Okay. I feel like the number one food establishment that people talk about when they come to Columbus now, at least the college football world, is Hot Chicken Takeover. Yeah. I have seen many national college football writers tweet about, I had one last meal in Columbus, I went to Hot Chicken Takeover. And I feel like that is an odd thing. That if you, th- when you think Columbus, Ohio, I think Nashville hot chicken. Well, like what, man, I'm in Columbus, gotta go hit up O'Charlie's because there's not 45,000 of them on my way back to Atlanta right now. You don't wanna wait like two hours. Not to disparage O'Charlie's. No, well, it sounded it's, like you no, disparaged no, no, O'Charlie's. But you want, you want to experience the local fare, and that's the local fare. But the local fare, but We're my. I'm gonna go eat the trash my, pizza that's here? My first, no. <laughs> The actual the Columbus pizza. <laughs> my first question is, I, my my primary question is, is it local fare? I so, I, so I I want to find that out. But the other oh, thing is, oh, to, yeah. you like, know that like, oh actually, no, yeah. the, the the original hot chicken takeover is in Nashville. Then we put one in Knoxville. There's one in Lexington. There's one in Louisville, and we eventually made ourselves up to Columbus. Who's yelling at us? Tim uh, May. Tim May. Tim Tim May from the Columbus Dispatch is attempting to join our podcast. <laughs> Tim, you're welcome anytime. You know that. Yeah, there's room for a second, Tim. That's a special guest once in a while. So my question is, I want to check that. And, and I will, maybe I'll do one of these things if we have time. We'll do an editor's note where, like, I'm going to, right, right now, we would drop in 30 seconds of an explanation. Yeah. If we went and looked it up. So according to hotchickentakeover.com and the owner's message from Joe Delos. Hot Chicken Takeover was inspired by Nashville Hot Chicken, but it was started in Columbus. Joe DeLoss visited Nashville in 2013 and experienced the hot chicken culture for the first time. Uh, He came back. He and his wife came back. They found their own mix, their own seasoning. They got their own hot chicken rolling. 
They opened this restaurant, and so Hot Chicken Takeover in Columbus, props to them. They are their own thing, an Ohio original inspired by Nashville, but not stolen from Nashville. That's Hot Chicken Takeover in Columbus. Now, back to the podcast. Because the problem with Buckeye Talk is a lot of times we talk about things that we don't know what we're talking about. You know you're putting one up kind of near, you're not too far from Easton, right? No, not They're putting far. one in Easton. They're putting one in really? Easton. Yeah. So anyway, so I'm just a little conflicted that that has become the number one establishment sort of to me for visitors to Columbus when it's not a native Columbus idea. Well, I think also uh, Thurman Cafe is... that, But yeah. that's more what I'm talking about. Yeah. It's just a bur- but it's and, just a burger. But it's an original. Well, it's- they put an egg on it. There's a burger that they named Ruby Tuesday. They literally named a burger the Thurminator there. And I will say the only downside (laughs) to Thurman, and I've been there a few times, it is amazing. You have to wait forever to get a table. Yeah, wait two hours. Weird hour. It's like there's places like that and Melt, where you and Giordano's now is in that category. We have to go at just bizarre hours. But but that's to me. But but if someone said, oh. I love Columbus, Ohio. I go get Giordano's there all the time. Yeah, well, that's different. That would be, but are we sure it's different? That's my question. Because the only. I'm one saying it's Ohio. different because I'm, I'm I'm like 90 percent sure that I'm right, and your uh, worries about hot chicken takeover will okay. be unfounded. So uh, let's do. Well, also, real quick, I want to get back to your waffle discussion. Real quick, small detour: chicken and waffles, yay or nay? 100% yay, all, all, all the time. I had chicken and waffles uh, on Friday in Philadelphia before one of the Rutgers. I need to find a good chicken and waffles place around Columbus. If Hangover any... Easy is a breakfast joint that's right near campus. It's only open until 3 o'clock. has dynamite chicken and waffles. Hangover Easy, if you're listening, there's a sponsorship opportunity available for you. And if I have a chance, I'll come I'll come try out your chicken and waffles. Uh, we actually have some direct Thurman Cafe discussion that we have questions about directly. We'll get back to that in a second. First, I want to remind everybody to be listening to our full collection of podcasts at cleveland.com. Go to cleveland.com slash podcasts to find podcasts weekly on the Browns, the Indians, the Cavs, Buckeye Talk, and when I get to it, Takes by the Lake. i got to get back to it. I did one two weeks ago where I did a phone interview and it didn't record, and that was a bummer. And then last week, I didn't get to it because it was Rutgers week, and I was too busy writing about Rutgers, which I'm sure everybody understands. But we want to make sure that you are subscribed to our Cleveland.com podcast channels, wherever you find podcasts, iTunes, anywhere else. Um, Mary Kay Cabot, Dan Labe, breaking down the Browns on Orange and Brown Talk. That's huge. Joe Noga, Paul Hoynes, breaking it down on Cleveland Baseball Talk. By the way, the playoffs are starting. How can you not be listening to a Baseball Talk podcast about the team that is the favorite to win the World Series? You must be listening to those Cleveland uh, Indians podcasts. And then uh, Wine and Gold Talk with Joe Varden and Chris Fedor. They're getting you ready on the Cavs. They just had Media Day. They had a great podcast off of that. Um, we just want to make sure that you're not missing out. We are hammering the podcasts. We're putting out some really good content. If you like listening to this and you care about any of the Cleveland sports, make sure you subscribe to our Cleveland.com podcast feed. It's a separate feed than Buckeye Talk. You might have to look a little bit on iTunes or wherever else you're getting these. Or you can always go to Cleveland.com slash podcasts. I want to give credit to Mets Jets, who had asked this question, which, which spurred the playoff talk. We won't get in over Clemson, Bama, or Oklahoma, no matter what, if those three teams win out. Yeah, mm-hmm. I saw ag- that. Yeah, I saw that question, and which which is a, a yeah, pretty uh, fair statement, right? As he say, if they win out, because you can get in over Oklahoma if Oklahoma has two losses, right? 
So if they, I, I think we're assuming they win out, right? Because yeah. we're in a world where we're assuming Ohio State wins out, so let's assume those teams win out. Sure. And Washington looks good, so even if we beat Penn State and Michigan, is there any chance we're not in the playoffs? And that's the question. Um, I think I think the one, and that's one of those things too. If Oklahoma, I almost think it's better for Ohio State if Oklahoma wins out, mm-hmm. because if Oklahoma loses once, you're probably not getting past Oklahoma, but it. It, it, it brings dec- your resume down a little yes. bit. Yes. Yeah. But if it's like, well, Oklahoma is unbelievable. So then a loss to them is completely understandable. And if Washington, and I think this is easy, and I do think committee members think this way. If you think, well, Washington, this is their resume. But if Washington would have played Oklahoma, they would have lost to Oklahoma too. Mm-hmm. They just didn't play anybody that good in the non-conference. And then you evaluate the rest of the resumes. And if, when Ohio State has a Michigan win and a Penn State win and a Wisconsin win in the Big Ten Championship, I think you can talk yourself into Ohio State maybe even potentially ahead of an undefeated Washington if you have that scenario where that loss is so understandable because it's clearly by the end of the year Oklahoma might be the best team in the country. So I think in a reverse way, not even a reverse way. I think fans get this by now. Fans are really starting to understand the committee way of thinking. You either want Oklahoma to fall off the earth so that you're past them. It's one more team you don't have to worry about. Or you want them to be awesome. Yeah. So that's what you should be rooting for. Washington plays Cal, Arizona State, UCLA, Oregon, Stanford, and then finishes with Utah and Washington State to end the year and then the Pac-12 title game, Ohio State schedule's better. Yeah, that's only two ranked teams, and I think that's the situation where Ohio State wins out, they get over Washington. I mean, just the resume alone. But I even think, I think that even speaks to Doug's point of possibly Ohio State getting in over an undefeated Washington team. It depends. I mean, that Apple Cup, the Apple Cup could end up being four versus five. I mean, Washington State's still undefeated, right? They are, but I yeah. think they're going to lose this week. I'm, I'm looking forward to the Apple Cup. I mean, we watched uh, Washington State USC Friday night. Right after you watched we, it, I was asleep. Right after we got into records, I watched that. It was an enjoyable game. I mean, it's amazing. Small tangent. We'll get back on topic. What job Mike Leach is? What a job Mike Leach has done at Washington State. It's a pirate man. He's a pirate. <laughs> Jordan Steele, the Jordan Steele. I think this is an interesting question. I actually want to make some calls on this and, and check on this. What's the deal with all the weird kickoff times? There's been one noon game, and now we play Nebraska at night, too. It seems odd. It's part of the Fox contract. Is this game will be, I believe, on FS1. Is, I'm trying to remember if this game's on FS1 or Fox. No, we just went over this. Fox. I was watching it, we, oh, it was on the Fox, video. It's and Fox. then Ohio State and Nebraska is on FS1. Must It must be just something with the way Fox schedules but, their games. But why? But clearly Fox is on a 4 and 7.30 thing, right? Yeah, Instead of a 3.30 and 8 Because uh, Fox has an inferiority complex with ESPN and doesn't want to be matched up against their kids. Is that for Fox. real? That's my theory. Can you call well, them and ask them that that question in that tone of voice with that <laughs> phrasing? Well, I will say this is no context with the pass schedule. I don't know how that works. Maybe it's just how they do things. I wonder if the way this, these next two games are scheduled is just to avoid ba- playoff baseball conflicts. Well, but Fox does have baseball, right? Yeah, yeah but they, they, they didn't have, have baseball when Ohio State played Army and that game kicked off at 4 o'clock. Well, I thought they had. That's, they might have had they, baseball. That they day. might have had like a Who one. Cares about they Randall had, Sunday baseball in September. Get out of here, Saturday Fox. baseball. I don't. Whatever, Tim. Semantics. <laughs> right, but Fox is as, wrong. Going with, back to Jordan's point, while the night games, I mean, a, a network sees Ohio State. They want to put that in as prime a spot as possible because yeah. they know Ohio State's got the brand. Even before we learn the Nebraska time, I'm kind of thinking in my head that we're get, there. It's going to be a night game. 
And another part of that is because I don't remember if this is if they changed this or not. Because I know the Big Ten used to have a rule about no November night games. I think they've changed. They've that. changed that rule. So, so yeah. then I wonder if that. Because Ohio State and Iowa is going to be a night game. Or at the very least, a four o'clock game if that's a Fox game as well. I'm trying to figure out. Penn State, Ohio State's at three thirty. Is that because of the World Series? Um. I would assume so. I also don't know what else is that week. We, we'll do a story on this. We need to do a story on this where we can actually do some research and not just talk about things that we're guessing at because I don't know any of the information. The thing is, though, and it, it, it makes me sound old, like 3.30 on ABC is a huge time slot. Mm-hmm. Like, we're at a point where it does – now when you see a big game that's not at night, you think, oh, why isn't it at night? And that, it just makes me sad a little bit. Because a three thirty afternoon game should be good enough, you know. Like I, I, yeah, I'm not, but, I, I'm not complaining. I'm not, and I'm yeah, not, yeah, but yeah. I'm not, I'm not saying it in regards to you. I'm saying that I think we're all getting more to that attitude because night games are so much more prevalent. They used to be a little bit special. Now there's nothing special about them, because if it's a huge game like Oklahoma, you knew Oklahoma Ohio State was going to be at night. You didn't even have to think about it. Yeah. But now they're using Ohio State. For all these other teams in the Big Ten that never have a good enough game to be on at night, if if some of these teams ever want to have a home night game, it has to be against Ohio State. So the result is Indiana on the road at night. Rutgers on the road at night. Nebraska on the road. What time is it at? That's an, Nebraska on the road, 7.30. 7.30. I mean, it's crazy. And Ohio State... That echoed all of a sudden. We hope you could still hear Mickey Murata yelling at the players over there. They're playing Tom Petty. For real? Yeah. People wanted us to talk about Tom Petty. I mean, everybody likes Free Fallen. I went to college with a guy named Aaron Dalton, and I almost want to tweet his picture. He looks so much like Tom Petty. It's unbelievable. I'm going to tweet his picture out. Okay. Um, It's Ohio State. I have written in the past, and it's like it makes me sound like I'm kissing Ohio State's butt, but it's what I really think. Ohio State plays well with others. The Big 12 basically exploded for a while because Texas said, hey, we're Texas and everybody else can suck it. And when you're the big dog, you kind of have the right to do that. And Ohio State never does that. Ohio State acts like one of 14 when actually in terms of draw, in terms of power, in terms of People giving a crap in terms of winning, they're about they, they carry the weight of about fifty percent of the conference, yeah. if not more. Yeah. And they take their whatever fourteen divided by hundred is, they take their little eight percent without complaint. Seven percent. Doing math in my head. Six percent. Somewhere seven percent. It's like seven something percent. And they don't prevent the Big Ten Network and Fox and the TV partners from turning them into a patsy. From turning them into a sideshow and saying, oh, look, Ohio State's in town. Make them dance. Put them at night. And at some point, I think they will. Because at some point, it is a drain on your student-athletes. Period. It's unfair to your players when you constantly have to do this. Because we've done it ourselves. It's not that fun to be away from home, playing at night, stay up till the wee hours, and then have to travel. It throws you off for like two or three days. And I'm not talking about practice time and prep. I'm talking about living. Yeah. And so when you make one team do it constantly, it's not fair. And the reason that you're doing it to them is not because they're bad and, like, you're lucky to be in the conference here, suffer. This is what you have to deal with. You're doing it to them because they're good. 
Here's your reward for being good. Play Rutgers at night. At some point, I think Ohio State says, we're not doing that anymore. And I don't know when they're going to draw the line in the sand. I think it would be absolutely fair for them to draw that line in the sand because I think we are officially at the point where Indiana, Rutgers, and Nebraska are all on the road. They're playing five conference road games this year. Mm -hmm. Those are three. One's the Michigan game, which so far, thank God, isn't at night. And the other one's at Iowa. We'll have to see. You wait and see what I write if the Iowa game's at night and their five Big Ten road games are four at night and the Michigan game. That's going to get hot. That's going to be be hot chicken table. That's going to happen because I I would bet my bank account at the moment that that's Iowa games at night. Yeah, and I I have a feeling eventually we're going to go down the road one day. Ohio State Michigan's going to be a night game. One day it's going to happen. There's just going to be too much money, too much in there for it not to be a night game. I think I, I think if that were the case, it would have happened already. You really think so? Yeah, I just I, I, there would be so much pushback from everyone. Ohio State doesn't want to play that game at night. Michigan doesn't want to play that game at night. The fans don't want it at night. Um, and both those programs carry enough clout that they they can sway it one way or the other. It's, it's possible we're talking about drawing the line in the sand. It's possible that's where they've drawn a line so far. But I don't think anything's impossible, especially when money's involved. Yeah. All right, let's run quickly, and I'm talking to myself, who keeps rambling. We have interviews in a half hour. Sam Well, Sam, our guy. Wasn't the music at Rutgers Stadium bopping? I could tell through the TV that they were keeping it lit in there. 100% agree. It was good. It, it was. Uh, I made a joke that uh, maybe Rutgers struggles in recruiting because they don't play pregame music that was made within the window their players, their recruiting were born. Does that make sense? They're playing a lot of old songs. But I enjoyed it because I'm 28 years old. Old old being a relative term, I suppose. But I enjoyed it because I'm 28 years old and they were playing a lot of songs that were popular when I was uh, a young whippersnapper. So, but, and then, it, then, it, then it, it, it got better as the game went on. They had a DJ who was playing um, some very New Jersey-style music, yeah, a lot of fist-bumping stuff. Well, I heard Bon Jovi. And they played Bon Jovi. They played Bruce Springsteen. It was a good mix, real good mix. All right, we're going quick. My guy, Andrew Ardle. What's Ben Victor's ceiling as a draft prospect? Tim, go. I think second rounder, especially if he continues to prog- progress the way he has the last couple weeks. I think you got to show more. I think at the moment he's like a marginal jump ball guy, and that you can get drafted because Noah Brown got drafted being a jump ball guy against Oklahoma. But uh, sec- sixth round, right? right, right, right. Second round guy. I mean, you're talking Michael Thomas. You got to get some separation. You got to make some plays. We all are infatuated with tall receivers all the time. I did a little thing. There's going to be a post up Wednesday morning counting up all the guys who have been champions the most this year as graded by the coaching staff. I think Ben Victor's been a champion once. There are a lot of receivers who have been champions like most of the games. Mm-hmm. I think it's an indication of that his game is not very well rounded yet. And I don't know what he's like. I, gotta, I, I, I need to look at it. I don't know what he's like as a route runner. I don't think he's there as a blocker. I mean, the NFL doesn't take you as a blocker as much as Ohio State cares about blocking. Um, but I think I think there are things he has to do um, to fulfill his potential. The urban renewal, does Eric Smith missing games mean that Jordan Fuller is the established starter? I think so, yeah. Yeah, because then your third would probably be Isaiah Pryor as a true freshman. I don't, we don't know the deal on what Eric Smith's like, situation is, but Urban Meyer's tone the two times he's been asked about it leads me to believe that he will not be very much in the picture, picture moving forward. Andrew Ardle again. Will JT Barrett be Ohio State's head football coach in 2050? <laughs> JT Barrett will be in his mid-50s then. Yeah. Yes, he will. I'll say no. Either the coach of Ohio State or the Dallas Cowboys, if the NFL still exists. I think he'll be the head coach of Texas. Um, 
Jordan Steele again with Barrett gone after this season and either Dwayne Haskins or Joe Burrow being the guy going forward, could we see packages for Tate Martell next season? My goodness, that sounds like a House Martell to me. Ooh. We might have to save that, Jordan Steele. I was, House Martell is our weekly video we do about Tate Martell. The Tate Martell videos have been exploding. We did last week, what kind of dog should Tate Martell get? That video did not do very well. So I think we need to keep the Tate Martell discussion within the realm of football, even if it's kind of crazy football stuff. I think that's a really good question. I think that a Tate Martell package will never exist because, as I wrote two weeks ago, if Tate Martell is not the starting quarterback, I don't think he will be here next year. We're going to deal with this on House Martell. Watch for it. Jordan Steele again. This is also going to be something we're going to hold, but I think we, we want to tell you guys, Maryland's the sixth game of the year. Who are your offensive and defensive MVPs so far? We'll wait until after game six and we're at the halfway point, okay? Yes. We will definitely do that. Okay. Okay? We will definitely do that. And I'm going to tell you that, like, probably my offensive MVP is someone who doesn't touch the ball. Drew Chrisman touches the ball, though. But what – yeah. And he could be your offensive and defensive MVP. You and your punters, man. Um, I mean, I, I, I know punters are people, too, but you and your punters, man, I swear. Look out for the little guy. Mantis Toboggan. Dr. Mantis Toboggan, Bill's favorite listener. If you could get a Winston box of fast food, what would be the ideal contents? Landis responded, this is the greatest question in the history of Buckeye Talk. Mantis responded, Dr. Mantis, thought you guys would have fun with that one. Can't wait to listen tomorrow. I feel like we all should have been given a half an hour to ponder this. Because you know what? I saw the question and got really excited and then got sidetracked doing other work, so I haven't really thought about it all that much. Quick Refresher. Winston Box is a subscription clothing service that I was subscribed to for two months and I'm no longer subscribed to. But this would be a subscription fast food service that delivers a box of your favorite fast food items to your home. What was your? You said you got your second Winston Box though. How'd it go? Uh, we haven't talked to you since you opened. Yeah, the box. Not, there were two things in it. So here, I have a theory. There were two things in it. One was a bracelet that I'll never wear, and one was a T-shirt that was nice and I will wear. And then there was a polo shirt that I'm like kind of iffy on, but it's okay. But there were only two things in there, really. And I, my theory is that I canceled it. They knew I canceled it because there was a note in there that said, please come back to us. But then I think they skipped me, skipped me on the box a little bit. <laughs> a bracelet is not an article of clothing, by the way. No. I think you could take them to court on that. I might. I mean, we it's, thought it's, Winston Box was going to be the next advertiser on this, and it's fallen so far so the fast. The thing about Winston Box is that you don't know what you're getting. In other subscription services, you can either pick the clothes or you have a detailed conversation with the stylist about what you like, and Winston Box is like a very vague description of what you like, and then it's a total crapshoot what you actually get. I'll, I'll dive into this fast food box with the question of, are there any restrictions? Can it be just as much as you want, or do I have to restrict myself to like five items? I think restrict to five items. I think fast casual is allowed, uh-huh. but nothing with a server. Okay, yeah. here we go. Raising Cane's chicken fingers. Nice. French fries from Five Guys. Nice. Can I combine chips and queso into one? Yeah, that's yeah, one. Chips sure. and queso from Qdoba, because I, I like that combination. Although I've had the chipotle queso twice, and I, I do like the chipotle queso. I just think Qdoba's... A little, I, I just like Q-Doubles a little better, so I'll go with that as my combination. Um, milkshake, I will actually go Steak and Shake. I like Steak and Shake milkshakes. The milkshake, that's going to be a problem mailing that, yeah, to be sure. fair. Well, but, yeah. But. Well, we have to figure out. I mean, it's going to be a problem mailing french fries, too. So that's okay. All right, you got a milkshake in your box. And the burger, I don't know. I mean, I don't want to double down on... Uh, Do it. At the same place? All right, fine. I'll go five guys... Five Guys cheeseburger. Okay. And no, 
speaking of double down, I will not put a double down in there because that is like one fast food thing I will not touch because it just that's the, uh, awful. That's the sandwich where the chicken's the sandwich? Yes, where yeah. the chicken is the bun. Yeah. I, I feel like you're missing a, a glaring thing that I'm curious to know if you just forgot about it. No, you made a choice. You've clearly made a choice. Do you want me to go or do you want me to go? I, I, you got to get, I'm starting with Chick-fil-A nugs. Nugs, yeah. But you pick canes over it, yeah. right? Yeah, I, I mean... I mean, you're not getting two things of chicken. Yeah. I know, I mean... I'm getting two things of chicken. <laughs> I mean, if I can get the Cane's chicken with a sauce, then it's a slam dunk. If I, if I couldn't get without it, I'd seriously have to consider Chick-fil-A nuggets. I mean, I haven't... That, All right, you oh, already had your turn. Sorry. Chick-fil-A nuggets, I'm getting a burrito from Chipotle. Uh-huh. That's two. In there. I'm going to get... Uh, you know what I like is I like the wedges, the potato wedges at KFC. Ooh, that I think good, are underrated. That is a good choice. Um, Very good choice. I, this is like, I mean, I can't imagine getting this in a box. I mean, I literally live like 0.8 miles from a Wendy's. I eat Wendy's so much that I'm, I have a red, I'm going to grow like red pigtails. <laughs> I like a Wendy's hamburger and especially in price comparison to like a Five Guys thing. Yeah. For what it is, it's so much more of a real hamburger than Burger King or McDonald's. No question. And it is so much cheaper than Smash Burger, which I also enjoy. Or Five Guys or anything like that. I never go to Five Guys because I feel like I can never justify the price. That I enjoy it, but I enjoy Wendy's basically as much, and it's like half as much of a cost. Although when you, you when, it, when it comes to Five Guys, you get twice the amount of fries for a regular order. That, but that's that's more than a human should eat. Yeah. Fries, they, like there are always these stories in the New York Times all the time that basically say French fries kill you. Yeah. And then it's like, well, let me go eat four pounds of French fries. So I'm trying to limit my fries a little bit. Um, what would be my last thing? I don't. I don't even know if I would get a last thing. I eat so much you McDonald's. Drink. You need a drink. Like a I need drink, a drink or a I mean, dessert. I have diet coke just flowing through my veins anyway. Yeah. So I just need to get a tap in my in my house. Okay. But I just they can mail me some diet coke if they want. Okay. Uh, Chick fil A nugs. Okay. Wendy's spicy chicken sandwich. Uh, so you're going double chicken. Yeah. In and out burger. Okay. I just think it's a very good okay. fresh burger. Yeah, I might, get, fairly, I might get an In-N-Out burger. Fairly priced as well. Well, that's not fair because I haven't been able to go to California and have you, an In-N-Out burger. You better hope Ohio yeah. State makes the yeah, Rose Bowl. If they go to the Rose Bowl, we're going to In-N-Out that's burger. When they go to the Fiesta Bowl for the third year in a row, we go to In-N-Out. Yeah, there's one there too. Okay, Chick-fil-A Nugs, Wendy's Place Chicken Sandwich, In-N-Out burger. Uh, fries, I'm torn, but I think I'm going to go... Cane's fries. I like Cane's fries. Yeah, very I like Cane's under, fries too. Very underrated, I will say. And then uh, a Coca-Cola from McDonald's because the best Coca-Cola in the world comes out of a spout at McDonald's. That actually is also a true fact. I and mean, yeah. there have been stories well, about that. They do something to it. Well, yeah, is they it, just uh, put drugs in it that make you addicted to it. Does it? Does it have anything to do with the fact you get any size drink for a dollar? No, it's not the size. It's 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 the sweetness and the flavor of that Coca-Cola is better than anywhere else. <laughs> it's oh, not I- the size of the drink. It's the sweetness and the flavor. Yes. Oh, I didn't get to put my drink in there because I put dessert. I'll go... Uh, you took no, a milkshake. You already have five items. Man. A milkshake is not a dessert. A milkshake is a drink. The package has been delivered. Okay, fair enough. All right, so... Uh, there's so <laughs> many things. Allen Kitchen. I think this is so interesting. I have a rant that I'm going to try to keep short about it. You guys can also answer. Do you think Ohio State fans are any more obnoxious than Alabama, Michigan, Clemson, etc., their fans? We seem to have a horrible national rep. Uh, Feel free to rip Ohio State fans. No, no, no. I don't don't think Ohio State fans are any more obnoxious. I think they're more far-flung, if that makes sense. There are probably more of them around the country. There are a lot of them. People have more exposure, I think, to Ohio State fans than they do any other fan base. 
That I will say, I don't think so because I'd say crazy, like crazy fans are everywhere. And I'll give you a perfect example. I put it in my Tuesday Buckhead Breakfast read on Cleveland.com. After Washington State upset USC, the Pullman Police Department got 15 separate calls about couches being burned. 15 separate calls. West Virginia looks at that and laughs. Yeah, 15 within, that's within 90 minutes. Like every six minutes, someone called Pullman Police Department like, hey, we got a couch on fire here. Do we know, are we sure that wasn't just 15 separate calls for the same couch burning incident? Well, they apparently, I as I dug deeper into this, I did a lot of research when I found this, uh, went to SB Nation and they said that there were actually eight confirmed couch fires. Nice. Here's the thing about college football fans. They're all basically the same, and they all think that they're normal and the other people are obnoxious. Yeah. Yes. So Penn State fans think Ohio State fans are obnoxious. Iowa fans think Michigan fans are obnoxious. Alabama fans think Auburn fans are obnoxious. And everybody just loves their team and hates everybody else. And it all comes from the same place. It means more because a lot of people went to the college, and that's a different kind of relationship. Or a lot of people grew up connected to that college. You absolutely do not have to go to that college to be a fan of that college, but it is just different than professional sports. It is deeper. It is more a part of who you are. And I know that there are Browns fans and Eagles fans, and I think that's what the best NFL teams, the best NFL teams and the best NFL fan bases, the reason they're great is because they're almost like college fan bases. Yeah. That there is a connection that goes beyond the team. It's what the region of the country is about. You know, it's that kind of thing. And so it is such a deep connection. You think you're normal, and you think everybody else is an a-hole. And in the end, everybody's basically the same. Yes. Yeah. I wonder, are there a lot of, um, like, bandwagon Ohio State fans around the country? Like, the way there are Dallas Cowboys fans everywhere, even though they have no connection to Texas whatsoever? I'm sure there's bandwagon fans everywhere. Uh, no, no, no. I don't understand there's bandwagon fans everywhere, but there's Ohio, is Ohio State that kind of team. That now, this makes me wonder right about this. I think there are fewer bandwagon, fewer bandwagon fans in college sports because, like, if you're a bandwagon fan, it might be like, when I was a kid, I saw Ohio State on TV and I liked their jerseys. But then you're an Ohio State fan for the rest of your life. Yeah. I feel like fans... Like, there's a lot of Warriors fans now, right? Right. Mm-hmm. I don't know that there's a ton of people in other states who, just because Alabama has been great, are like, oh, I love Alabama football now. Yeah. Because I think the one thing is you get bandwagon fans in the pros because you get to like a player, and that player is around for a long time. It's hard to be a bandwagon fan in college because it might be like, I love Jalen Hurts, and then he plays for two years and he's gone. Yeah. So if you're going to be a bandwagon, you're bandwagoning now on the program, not the player. And if you're bandwagoning on the program long enough, then you just become a fan, and then it's a part of your identity, and you're not a bandwagon anymore. Yeah. I don't know that there's someone who's like, I love Deshaun Watson. He graduated. Now I love Sam Darnold. Go USC. He graduated. Now I love Dwayne Hass. You know, I don't, I no, don't, I don't know that so. that happens. I don't, I don't think it happens either. I'm just wondering. Makes me wonder what a story about that. All right. Uh, question about Greg Schiano that I thought was good, and then we'll get to hamburgers really quickly. We've got to go to interviews. We're running out of time. Eric Bronstein on Twitter, E. Bronstein. Granted, the competition has sucked, but do you think having Schiano on the field has helped the defense at all? Uh, hard to tell. Hard to tell at the moment. Um, I buy a lot of the stuff that he says about being down there, like having a better feel for the guys and – if that's the case, then it's probably better overall for the defense. I think defense is a little different. Offense, you certainly want to see the whole field if you can. I think defense you can get by without having seen the whole field. Um, so it's just a comfortability thing. If that's where he feels most comfortable and most in tune with the players, then then I'm all for it. But I think just because the teams they played stink, 
and I went to write this after the Rutgers game, but then I had to drive on hours and I fell asleep. Um, I don't know how good Ohio State's defense is yet, and I don't think there's any anything that's happened over the last four weeks that can tell us whether or not they're good. Yeah, and I well, I think about Graciano, the impact range we've seen. Although I will say, you know, there was always a thing with Pat Narduzzi's in Michigan State. He would always leave the booth, if I remember right, after the third quarter and be on the field in the fourth quarter be with his guys. I think there's something to be said for your defensive coordinator being right that. there on the field. Yeah, and that always that. that always seemed like it always had an impact. You know, having you know your defensive coordinator on the field with you in, in the most important moments. Yeah. Here's my take on that. I think it is much better for Greg Schiano to be on the field. He's been on the field his whole life because he's been a head coach for 15 years. And when you're the head coach, you're not in the booth. So he is back at Ohio State. Last year, he was in the booth because Fickle was an on-field guy. Yeah. Right? Fickle's been the on-field guy forever here. Um, but I think given his choice, Greg Schiano would rather be on the field because that's who he is. So I think, I don't know if it makes the defense better, but I think it makes Greg Schiano a better coach to be on the field, which then makes the defense better. Yeah. I think Greg Schiano probably calls a better game, has a better feel, just feels better about everything because he's down there with his guys. And if that's how he feels, then get him down there. And if you have to sit, whoever you have to send upstairs, Bill Davis or Kerry Combs or whatever, do it. I think Shiano on the field makes a ton of sense, and I don't think he's going anywhere. Agree. All right, we're going to end it with Nathan Sutherland. Nate, S-U-T-H-42. I just moved to Columbus, but I've listened to Buckeye Talk for a long time. Where is the best cheeseburger in town? First of all, welcome, Nathan. I sent this out and said, help this man. To see what responses we would get on Twitter from the readers, Hootie Blows Fish, who is a loyal listener, said the Thurman Cafe in German Village. It's called the Therminator. Um, Mike Malone said Pat and Gracie's is legit and I just clicked on it he put the Twitter handle I have not been there uh, Gehanna Grill is recommended by Nate McElwain um, another Thurman's Chase Richardson says Flipside in Easton Root for Cleveland says B-Spot Burgers in New Albany and uh, Seth Shaner who's at Shaner Bomb he's a loyal listener says uh Thurman Cafe, Gehanna Grill, Flipside. I think I feel like Flipside and B Spot Burgers are both local chains. B Spot's a Cleveland chain, isn't it? Yeah, B Spot's from Cleveland. That's Michael, Michael Simon's Simon, right? place. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I'm not saying anything against that, but that's not like a local. And, and those are good places, but that is, I mean, those are all in like the hip burger joint. I mean, there are a million hip burger joints now, right? Yeah. Flipside is across the street from my gym. I can see it out the window when I'm running on the treadmill. Does that inspire you or make you want to jump off the treadmill and go get a burger? The latter. So I think the thing is hard is that, and I think like beasts are not like Flipside and Flipside might not be, but B-Spot is like servers, right? Yes. It is hard for me to pay a burger price that includes a server. Even if it's a really good burger, like a a clear step above a fast food, fast casual burger. But if I'm, because if I'm going to, what am I, what am I paying for that burger? Oh, 12? I don't know. I've never been there. What am I going to pay? Nine ninety nine plus per- Like, if I'm like going to... what you would pay if you got a burger at, like, Applebee's? And I would never get a burger at Applebee's. Yeah, but this is a better burger. But if I'm sitting down, I want a piece of meat that I'm going to cut with a knife and fork, and I want a side vegetable. Because I can get a burger, but I'm too lazy to cook, like, a nice piece of chicken and some broccoli, Right? So I don't want to go. So it prevents me from ever eating truly great burgers because I'm so generally happy with Wendy's 
that I never want to pay four times, five times the amount of a Wendy's burger because if I'm sitting down, I want a meal. And I don't feel like a burger and fries is the meal I'm looking for if I'm going to have to leave a tip at the end. Have you been to Thurman in the time you've lived in Columbus? I have been to Thurman. Thurman's a little bit lost on me because I don't get anything on my burger. Like, I get, like, onions and that's it. I don't like a lot of stuff on it. Yeah, I guess that's the other point, too, because I disagree with everything you said. Oh, good. I'm glad we could end on this point, so we even out on the podcast. Yeah, but but it's also it's like it's not, I almost feel like it's a conversation that's almost not worth having because of how different our burger preferences are. Because you just like the patty and the bun. Yeah, like what do you like to get on a burger? Like everything, the works. I don't know. Like I like uh, cheese, obviously. A couple different kinds of cheeses. I like lettuce pickles. I like uh, sauteed mushrooms. I like sauteed onions. Yeah. I like mustard or and ketchup together. Or I'll have mayo or something. Yeah, I like. L- let me ask you this though. This is, so, this is sort of like the pizza discussion. What to you is the most important part of the burger? Is it the meat patty, the quality of the meat, the way the meat is cooked, or is it the variety and quality of those toppings and the meat patty? As long as it's okay, is fine. Uh, it's still the bun for me. It's still the roll. It's still the bun. Wow. I think a, bad, okay. a bad, yeah, but well, here's because I think if you get, certainly you can have poor quality burger meat. Um, but I think as long as you're getting cooked the right way, I would never get it cooked well done. So if it's like a hockey puck, I don't want that. I want it to be uh, probably medium well or just medium so it's got, got some good juice to it. And then I think if you're doing that, you can kind of mask the meat even if it's not that high, the highest quality. But uh, flavor of the meat and tenderness of the meat matters, but. I will always go back to the roll, the bun, the bread, whatever it is, no matter what I'm eating. All right, Tim is shaking his head Yeah, because Tim grew up in Ohio. He doesn't know any better. That's (laughs) fine. I'm not mad about it, but but I'm mad about it, (laughs) and you're wrong. But here's my question. I'll pose this to Doug, too. Have you ever stopped going to a burger place like, yeah, I don't like, and been like, yeah, I don't like their burgers because their buns are terrible? No, I have not. Exactly. That's a, like, I don't. Yeah, I have. Well, I know really? you have, yeah. but that's your thing. If somebody serves me a burger on, like, some stale bun that has no flavor to it and is hard as a rock and isn't, like, soft yet crispy and a little spongy, I, get out of here. I'm totally with you on bread. I think I'm abandoning you on the, on the as fine. it relates I'll, to the hamburger. I'll die I be- on that hill. I believe in meat quality. You know, the quality of the beef has to be good. And, you know, I'm a guy that likes to get my burgers medium or, in mm-hmm. some cases, medium well. I think the burger's got to be seasoned pretty well. You know, the meat's got to be pretty juicy. Uh, you know, I mean, if the burger meat is terrible, then non-starter. But, yeah. like, toppings, like, I am all about cheese and bacon. Like, oh, bacon. Those are my bacon. go-to. Yeah. It, I, I like about seven different cheeses. But if your burger meat is not good, I am not eating that burger. Because if, if a burger meat's bad, then, like... I'm not saying I'm going to eat a burger that tastes like trash. I'm not going to eat a burger that's made with horrible meat just because the roll is good. I'm not saying that. And I don't want to say that like I'm not going to eat a good sub that has poor quality meats just because the roll is good. But I'm saying the thing oh, that God. can ruin Wait. the sandwich the most for me is the roll. Okay, You're listen. We, th- we literally have interviews with players in six minutes and we have not talked about the pizza experience in New Jersey yet. We are going to play at the end of this. You're more than welcome to turn this podcast <laughs> off because we have a seven minutes or so I might cut it down of us eating pizza in New Jersey and of the sounds Tim makes as he eats <laughs> an East Coast pizza on the East Coast for the first time but for the people who don't want to listen to Tim Bielek eat a pizza Tim can you give them a 30 second to 45 second description of what it was like for you at Filippo's 
Filippos, Filippos in New Brunswick, New Jersey. Well, as I'll say, as I said in you know the seven minute snippet, I kind of had an expectation of what I was expecting New York style pizza to be based on everything you see on television and the way you guys talked about it. You know, I enjoyed it. I thought it was fantastic pizza. You know, it was you know everything you expect. You know, very flavorful. You know, crust, the pizza kind of fold in the giant slices. The ingredients are good, and I, I enjoy it. You guys said it was average, and it was among one of the better pizzas I've had in a really long time. All right, so now you can listen to us eat pizza for seven minutes if you want to. Uh, either way, whether you listen to that or not, thank you for listening to Buckeye Talk. We did it live from Jesse Owens Stadium. You may have heard Mickey Marotti in the background during practice. Uh, we hope you didn't get bothered too much by the airplanes flying overhead and stuff. Um, it's a lovely day. It'll be snowing soon enough, uh, so we wanted to do it outside. Okay, so we are uh, about to experience one of the most important moments in Tim Bielik's life. We are in New Brunswick, New Jersey. We have a gigantic half pepperoni, half cheese pizza in front of us. It is round. It is cut into triangles. There is a chewy, crispy crust at the edge of it. Um, and Tim, as you look at this pizza, does this does this look good to you? Oh, yeah, it does. I mean, I've had New York-style pizza, but never from the New York, New Jersey area. I mean, I look at it, it looks fantastic. Okay, so we're going to eat this, and you should make the noises that your body wants you to make (laughs) as you are consuming New York pizza on the East Coast for the first time. And maybe you guys can, like, hear the sound of us tearing this pizza apart. Here we go. Perfect. That's a plate rustling. <laughs> I'm going cheese first. Oh, I'm going pepperoni. Ooh, if I can make a suggestion, I would go cheese first. Think so? I mean, that's what you want to get the real, real flavor of the pie before you. All right. We got half pepperoni. Yeah. All right. That is good. Exactly what I was hoping for. You know what? It's not good. It's just average, and it's great. It just is. It just is. I mean, I think it's on the good end. Yeah. The cheese is... One thing, and I think most East Coast places do it, you have to cook it a step past where the cheese is just yellow. Uh You've got to get the cheese starting to go brown or it's undercooked and too many I hate undercooked pizza and this I think I could you could have left this in another minute but I'm good with it there is a nice little golden brown to the cheese Um, the crust is good firm no no real flop Mm -hmm. that's okay you don't need a flop yeah I enjoy having a little bit of the melty the cheese that's just starting to get like really melty like warm enough for it. You don't fold yours though. I've, I've noticed. Well, I have decent sized hands. I don't need to. Tim, I have gigantic hands. I'm six foot five. <laughs> fold, <laughs> fold your pizza slice like an American. <laughs> One thing that I feel like is in defense of the triangle pizza as opposed to the square pizza, which I didn't flesh out in the last pizza discussion, is the idea of buying a slice. Yeah. If you can't walk up and buy a portion of the pizza, 
I think that is a flaw in the pizza. And is there any? There's, there's nowhere in the world where you go up and say, "Hey, give me, give me like little three little square slices." You know? Yeah, this place sells by the slice. Yeah, it's kind of what I was envisioning coming here is like the kind of place that probably sells pizza by the slice, which is my very limited knowledge, like experience in New York style pizza. Every one of them usually has pizza by the slice. So do you have a determination of whether this is better than square cut? And I'm not going to... Listen, here's the real deal. We don't, we don't know what's happening. Donato's has reached out to us. Yeah. <laughs> we may have already discussed this in another part of the podcast. We're going to do something with Donato's where they're going to have a chance to prove themselves to us. Um, I feel bad I hurt their feelings. But that Landis, Landis did not realize the reach of Buckeye Talk until an actual Donato's person reached out. Wait until Moe's gets a hold of you. <laughs> Moe's is trash. <laughs> Wait till the Vanilla Council of America comes after you. I have a joke there that I'm not going to make. <laughs> but, Tim, now that... I, I just So when we were having the discussion before, on some level, Landis and I were talking about a kind of pizza that, again, you've had New York-style pizza, but you had not had it on the East Coast. We had eaten the pizza you were referencing. You had not necessarily eaten the pizza that we were referencing. I know that there, we've gotten some feedback of people who think that we're pizza elitists, uh-huh. which we own. Mm-hmm. Now that you've had a slice of this, Tim, what do you think is better? And I'm not going to yell. So you may give your honest answer. If you still think no crust, square cut pizza is better, that's fine. Well, I'll say this, Ryan, that you say this is average pizza. This is one of the better ones I've had. It's above average. In your life? Yeah, in a very long time. Because again, this is something I I don't have access to. I mean, it's just not near me. And I mean... This is what I was curious about when you guys we had this pizza discussion was what this New York experience is gonna be like. I had a picture in my mind and imagining I was imagining a large slice, large pizza like this with giant slices. Slice the size of your head. Exactly, and that's kind of what I've got here and it's fantastic. So is it better, is it better? or not? I would say well, that's a little flop there, that's that's pretty good. Yeah. I mean if if this was around me. I would definitely be more apt to get this more often than... You're at, you're in a strip mall. You're staring at two stores. On the left, there's a Donato's. On the right, there's this place. Where are you going? More often than not, this place. All right. And, and here's the thing, again. Successful trip. The point that we're making is there are these kind of places in every town on the East Coast. And it's just your local place. And when you go in there, you don't think to yourself, I wonder what this pizza is like. It's this. Yeah. Now, they're all a tiny bit different, but the basics are the same, and it's not in dispute. So, if you grow up in that area, this is just what is in your head. And then what is almost literally impossible for me to wrap my head around is the idea that this is difficult to find. If you want to eat this in Ohio, you have to search for it. Yeah. Right, Bill? Like in my experience. I found the one or two places <clears throat> that have it, but don't really do it the right way. And I don't know what it is. Maybe it's just the water for the crust. Which is a whole different thing. Yeah. But anyway. So, Tim, if we were angry before, if we were a little uh, high and mighty... Um, 
We don't apologize for that. Nope. But we are glad that we could experience this with you because, again, it's hard to have a discussion when not everyone has experienced all the parts of what is being discussed. Yeah, and I, again, I never had this kind of back, the background on the East Coast that you guys have had, so naturally, like your average Ohioan, this is just something that you don't experience on a regular basis, and you didn't have access to when you were younger. All right. We'll, uh, we'll keep you posted on the auto stuff, but for now, signing off from New Jersey, um, Tim and Bill and I are stuffing our faces, and all of us are happy. We're happy. Very happy. You can follow Bill Landis on Twitter at BillLandis25. You can follow Tim Bielek on Twitter. Get Tim more followers at Tim, B-I-E-L-I-K. Buckeye Breakfast every morning. Commit roundup during the week. NFL roundup during the week of guys in the league. The JT Barrett passing chart. You must be following Tim Bielek. Go follow him right now. Me, I'm Doug. You know where I am. So thank you for listening. We have a lot of stuff coming up to Maryland. We got some great stuff planned for Penn State in a couple weeks. Go read us at cleveland.com slash OSU. Make sure you catch our post-game Buckeye Talk podcast live. The the night of the games, uh, we're doing a 4 o'clock kickoff for Maryland. So that'll be up probably. Probably we'll get it up Saturday night. 8.30. All right, so we'll knock it out, do half an hour of football. Um, But again, thanks to all you guys for listening to episode 101. For Tim, for Bill, I'm Doug, and that was Buckeye Talk.